Welcome to the Covenant Journey Podcast. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love of our Lord Jesus as we explore the timeless treasures of the Bible. Join us now as we explore God's Word. We're continuing our study of the Book of Revelation on this Covenant Journey Bible Podcast. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Covenant Journey. Today we're going to cover chapters 4 and 5. We've been through 1 through 3. We began in the book of Revelation with chapter 1, verse 1. It is a revelation about and from our Lord Jesus Christ. It really begins with Jesus, and the book of Revelation ends with Jesus. In fact, if you look at this sequentially, it's an amazing sequence of events, and it's an amazing story throughout the book of Revelation. So that's why I encourage people to look at the big picture of Revelation, because it's very encouraging. Yes, there are some difficult times that we're about ready to get into. Not today, but on a future Covenant Journey Bible podcast, we'll talk about all of the different things that happen. But chapter 1 actually begins with a scene in heaven, and that is where Jesus is walking among these various symbols, and those symbols, chapter 1 says, are the churches. So Jesus is present in that heavenly scene, walking in the midst of these churches around the golden candlesticks. Chapters 2 and 3 is an earthly scene of these actual churches, the seven churches of the book of Revelation. If you move to the very end of the book of Revelation, what you'll find is Jesus in the midst of his church. As it began with Jesus in the midst of the church, it ends with Jesus in the midst of the church. And instead of light from these lamps or lanterns, you don't need light because the light from Jesus is all you need. You don't need the sun. You don't need the moon. There's no day, there's no night, there's no weeping, there's no crying, there's no more death. And Jesus is in the midst of his people, the church writ large. And so you have this beginning and you have this end and all this in between. And so now that we've actually begun with these amazing scenes in chapter 1 and then the seven churches in 2 and 3, now we've become to the point where there is a transition and it is continuing on the centrality of Jesus in the book of Revelation before we ever get to the seven seals and the plagues and the so forth. So in chapters 4 and 5, there's these amazing images were now transported back to heaven. One started in heaven. Chapters 2 and 3 was an earthly scene. Chapters 4 and 5 were now transported back into heaven. And this shows how central Jesus is to the entire book of Revelation. Chapter 4. John, he beholds in heaven an open door. Verse 1. And he heard a voice like a trumpet. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. He was then transported in the Spirit, and there was a throne that stood in heaven, and there was someone seated on that throne. And Then there's this picture of what that throne scene looks like, all kinds of amazing reflection and images, and he's using earthly things like jasper and rainbow and 
all the lightning and thunders uh, noises that he hears surrounding uh, this scene. He sees the four living creatures and the others there. And in verse uh, of this uh, passage where we move to chapter 4, verse 7, and then on to verse 8, particularly the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, they can move any way they want to. They're full of eyes. They can see everything, both within and without. And day and night, they never cease to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And this is this amazing scene. It ends a chapter 4. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And you did create all things. And by your will, they exist and they were created. An amazing scene in heaven. Then chapter 5 begins. Verse 1. I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Now, this is a scroll that is actually referred to as an epistograph. It means that it's written on both sides. You've probably seen scrolls. You may have actually seen them in person. But the scrolls that you've seen, they have no writing on the outside. When you roll up the scroll, there's nothing on the outside. You unroll the scroll, and the writing is on the inside, protected as it's rolled up. This particular scroll is called an epistograph, and the reason is, is because it's written on both sides. John, in this vision, makes a point of that very issue. It's written within and on the back. So when the scroll is rolled up, you still see writing on the outside of the scroll. Very unusual. Why is it like that? Because... An epistograph is only used in a very rare occasion when you literally run out of vellum or animal skin or papyrus, whatever you're writing this on, but you have more to say. And so what you do is something that typically doesn't happen. You turn the scroll on the other side and you begin writing that way. And so thus when you roll the scroll up, there's writing on the inside and outside. The point is that it is full of information, so full that it is covered from back to front. And, by the way, this scroll where you have the last fold on the outside of that scroll, it doesn't have just one seal. Most scrolls don't have seals on them because you open them right up. But this scroll has seven seals. These are the kinds of seals. They're like seals that kings would put on different kinds of writings where they would roll it up in a scroll fashion. They would put like a clay object on there that would dry, and then they would stamp their insignia on that to show that it was an official document that had not yet been opened by the king. Kind of like what we have with notary public signs today, although you can't open this until you break the seal. And so these eventually become the seven seals that we'll begin reading about on a next Bible podcast with chapter 6. So this scroll is full, and it's got seven seals. And then the voice comes in chapter 5, verse 2, Who is worthy, the voice comes, to open the scroll and to break its seals? And there's a pause. 
Think of this in a play. That booming voice comes over the crowd. You have this scroll. It's an amazing scroll because it's full of information. But it's sealed, so you can't just open it. And now the question is, who is worthy to begin to open these seals? Because we want to read what's inside. Something important is inside. It's in the hand of the one sitting on the throne, which is God Almighty, the Father. And verse 3 says, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to even look on it. And that caused John, in verse 4, to weep. I wept much that no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look into it. Now, what it's referring to is opening and reading what's inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. Stop weeping. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. This one had a wound that had been healed, but it was a devastating wound. It was a a gash. It was a wound that was actually visible. This was like a scar, if you will. And it was still there. It was a scar that would otherwise have given the indication that the lamb that received it would have ultimately been so devastated by this blow that it was a fatal blow. But this lamb is alive. And it has that insignia of this awful blow, this awful scar, this awful picture of having been struck. Now, this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes, which are, here's the interpretation, don't get too nervous yet, the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Remember, Revelation is an apocalyptic literary form, meaning it uses symbols. Oftentimes, like here, the seven horns and the seven eyes, you might picture a lamb with all these horns and eyes, but it's being interpreted as to what it means. Some of these symbols in Revelation actually interpret in the same passage, and others they are not directly interpreted. So we have to do a little bit more research and thinking about some of those. But these are interpreted. This represents the seven spirits of God that sent into all the earth, and he went back and he took the scroll. The lamb does. He goes and he takes the scroll that's in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, and with golden bowls full of incense, which are, again, the symbol is being interpreted, the prayers of the saints. Isn't that a beautiful scene? One of the things that these um, living creatures, these 24 elders that are around this throne of the Almighty God, the one who is and was and who is to come, 
the one who creates everything, and by him all things exist, and the Lamb who was slain, who is the only one worthy to open the scroll and to read the contents of it, what is being offered before God and for Jesus Christ, the Son, is the prayers of the saints. It's kind of like incense. And the incense is actually the prayers of the saints. Your prayers are like incense, sweet-smelling incense to the Father and to our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the beautiful scene is here. And if you continue reading verse 9, they sang a new song. It's a brand new song. And this song says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by the blood you ransomed men before God. From every living tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked around in verse 11 and, her, and I saw around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, innumerable. They're all singing with a loud voice. It's an amazing scene. Worthy is the Lamb. Just imagine that chorus of all these angels, uh, innumerable choir of beautiful melodic voices singing together in praise and exuberation. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in all the sea and all therein saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Wow, what a powerful scene this is. What an amazing scene if we could reenact this, as I've said from the beginning. If we could put the book of Revelation into a play separated by different acts, moving the different sets on and off, the heaven, the earth, the heaven, the earth motif that flows through the book of Revelation. And this section, 4 and 5, really continues what Revelation said at the very beginning, that this book is a revelation. It is an apocalypsis, where we get the word apocalyptic literature, which means a revelation. This book is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And the chapters 4 and 5 really are setting forth this idea, this fact, this reality, that all of human history is held by the Creator of all. Through Him all things exist. He created everything. And the rest of history is going to be relayed in this scroll. It's full of information. But nobody is able to open that scroll. They can't even move one of the seals away and begin reading it. And as you're anxious, you're wanting to see what's happening, there's only one worthy that can come forth as John is ultimately consoled and his tears are wiped away and they dry up because there is the Lamb. And when that 
ultimate revelation is made known. There is joy that breaks out in heaven. There is joy that breaks out with every created being to just praise the Lord and worship. And won't heaven be an amazing place? Don't ever forget chapters 4 and 5. Whenever we continue on to the book of Revelation and we go to some of these places and they become a little dark. Because even when they become dark, there is a pause typically where we're transported back to heaven and we want to remember these portions of the book of Revelation as we continue to go through it. Now, what ultimately happens, and we'll pick this up at a later time, chapter 6 begins the opening of the seven seals. This is the scroll that has everything in it, and the Lamb opens one seal and something happens, opens a second seal, something happens and it continues on. We'll pick that story up as we move into chapters 6 and 7 and following in our journey through the book of Revelation. I encourage you to read this book. I encourage you to read the Word of God. It is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for our history, for world history. And it begins with Jesus. It's filled with Jesus in between in the good times and the difficult times, and it ultimately, thank God, ends with Jesus. For more information, visit covenantjourney.org. You've been listening to the Covenant Journey Podcast. We hope that we have informed, inspired, and encouraged you to deepen your faith, knowledge, and love for our Lord Jesus as we've explored the Word of God. Visit covenantjourney.org where you can obtain additional notes and information to enhance your study of the Scriptures. The website again is covenantjourney.org. You can also email us at cj at covenantjourney.org. Share this podcast with your friends. Visit covenantjourney.org.